Hello, my name's Brian Martin, and welcome to the pilot episode of the Running Technique Tips podcast. And I'm joined now by my co-host, Lisa Biffin. Hello, Lisa. Hey, Brian. How are you going? I'm very well. Um, I'm uh, battling my way uh, through the, the deep, dark, cold, freezing Ballarat winter. But um, like all good runners, I'm, I'm soldiering on and getting a few Ks done nonetheless. Oh, oh that's good. Well, normally... Well, actually, not normally, but the last few weeks I've been whinging also how cold it has been. But today is so nice. It's 22 degrees. I've got a big smile on my face. I'm gloating. I'm happy. The summer is coming. Oh, my God. You're just, you're kind of making me a little bit sick. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. So, um, I'm, I'm going to still gloat in the how warm and sunny it is. But hey, we're here and we're finally recording this podcast that we've been talking about for quite a while, but um, I guess the, the topic of it has really started from something that has been around that you started and we were talking about so long ago. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, we had actually been talking for quite some time about doing a running podcast um, and in the end after, yeah, much discussion, we thought, well, why don't we just um, extend upon and in some cases sort of revisit uh, the work that I did almost 10 years ago. Isn't um, that long? Yeah, it was oh kind of, God. it's, it's Where getting there. Where has the time gone? That <laughs> just makes me feel really old. Oh, no, yeah, well, yes. Um, we. I think we did get older not, in that. But it makes me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did age slightly in that intervening period of um, when the Running Technique Tips blog was up and running. Um, and, yeah, I was doing a bit of technique coaching as well um at the time um and uh yeah after a while that just kind of petered out and um yeah the realities of needing to kind of go back into the corporate workforce to make some money um <laughs> did catch up with me in the end so yeah the run the blog and consequently my running as well just really went on on the back burner for the kind of the last four and a half to five years so it's only been recently where I've just sort of been starting to get back into the running which I think has actually kind of inspired me a little bit and you know having conversations with you about running as well to perhaps go back over um, some of the ground we've covered before and you know talk about what we've learned in the intervening time and what we're trying to learn um, in the context of um, some interesting running goals that we're both pursuing at the moment. Yeah, well, I, I still can't get over it's been 10 years, but um, when you first started running Technique Tips, which, uh, you know, there hopefully will be a few listeners who were with you from that original journey starting that blog and the YouTube channel and, of course, some of the coaching. But for anyone that, I guess, didn't know you then um, or know about your work, why don't you give a bit of background as to what it is and where everyone can still find all of that information? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the the reason why um, I got interested in um, running technique um, initially was that um, for probably the first, uh, let's say, 30-odd years of my life, um, I was kind of a, a keen runner but a very stop-start runner because um, I could never really string together consistent blocks of training um, without 
succumbing to injury. Mm, um, very common. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I kind of looked under a few rocks, like, you know, my training properly and um, I made some changes there and, you know, am I wearing the right shoes and, you know, tried every single shoe under the sun but still couldn't quite get it right. So eventually I kind of determined um, and it was – kind of something that I've really, really sort of knew that I wasn't really the greatest of movers. <laughs> um, and anyone who's seen me run, you know, will probably attest to the fact that it kind of looks like a baby giraffe, um, <laughs> but maybe not even that graceful. So, um, yeah, just finding out how I was moving and trying to make some improvements to that was when I got interested in um, running technique. So I did a lot of research um, into the uh, current research at the time around um uh, there wasn't a lot on running technique in particular, but there was starting to be um, a lot of research done around the benefits of strength training um, for running uh, performance and running economy in particular. There was a bit of research about running economy and those kind of things. They touched on the technique, the technique aspects um, without going into huge amount of detail. But um, yeah, what I managed to do was through the research that was available at the time was um, essentially just sort of piece together. Um, a layman's term um, description of um, how you could get yourself moving a little bit better. Um, Were you your own test case or? Yeah, pretty much um, in the true spirit of, um, <laughs> yeah, pioneers in the past, experimenting on yourself was definitely the way to go. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's certainly cost me cost me some um uh, some sore legs and um, <laughs> the odd injury here and there, but um, you don't learn anything by by not experimenting. So, yeah, I was definitely putting into play what I learned um, and my immediate kind of goal to, I guess, validate in some way what I discovered was to, to really work hard on um, improving my five-kilometre um, personal best times. And sort of before I'd sort of got into that, you know, ever since I'd been about 14, I'd, I think I'd run just under 20 minutes and really hadn't run any faster than that um, as an adult um, into my 30s. So, yeah, I really started to apply this technique work, strength training to help the technique um, and training properly and, yeah, managed to get managed to string together a season where I ran three 5Ks in under 18 minutes, which was a yeah, that's pretty brilliant. significant, yeah, really significant improvement based on where I was before. Mm. So, um yeah, it was a good step forward. Well, so let's just stop on that. So it's obviously not elite. The elite guys are running thirteen minutes. Um, no, but it's the- you know it's certainly not not slow. It's you've really worked hard. Brought down what three three odd minutes, two and a half minutes. Uh, probably not quite that. Probably a couple of minutes. Yeah, um, yeah sort of getting that. I think got that PB down to seventeen forty two on the track for five k. So I'd take a couple of minutes off my five k time if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think we all would, and um, yeah, as as we know, five k's is not the easiest distance to race. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I really wanted to focus on that distance because I thought this is this is a good valid test case like it's not too short it's not too long but um if i can really improve over that distance it'll kind of show that my coordination and speed had improved as well as you know just working on fitness so um yeah i think it was definitely a good test case and yeah lots of people um uh, either interacted with the blog. Some people bought the ebook that I wrote based on the research called Running Technique and had lots of nice feedback from um, readers of the blog and the book for people who kind of applied um, some of the um, 
suggestions in the book to their own running and, yeah, were able to, like in a lot of cases, some people improved out of sight a lot more than what I did. So they were probably kind of like hidden better athletes to begin with. Um, and, yeah, a lot of lot of slower runners as well were able to apply that with some success and uh, make some progress as well. So what's the name of both the blog and the book so that people can actually find it? Absolutely. So the blog is actually the uh, same name as what we've what we've named this podcast. So it's runningtechniquetips.com um, and the book is called Running Technique. So it's pretty easy to find if you um, put either of those things into your favourite search engine. Yeah, great. So I guess you did the blog, you did the book, um, you had quite a few YouTube videos as well, which took, I guess, the, the text into a video format. Yeah, look, made a few videos, like running, say, um, a medium that is uh, not super easy to explain just by kind of writing a description of what you were doing. So kind of the book and the blog, I was able to have um, text-based descriptions, often complemented by diagrams. Um, But, yeah, having some uh, videos up on the YouTube channel um, definitely provides that level of visual um, description of what it is that I was actually talking about. So it just gives another another medium for um, people who are trying to learn um, to kind of engage with, you know, what is good running technique, what does it look like, um, and kind of marry up the, the theory and the descriptions and the diagrams with, with what it kind of looks like um, in video. Mm. And so I guess now we're bringing the audio version of that all um, into this podcast. Yeah, that's right. And look, um, I'm not going to sit here and um, t- talk about the ins and outs of run- running mechanics for an hour every week. But um, uh, look, I, I think the audio medium is really nice for runners and busy people in particular because um, it means you know, for those of you, and look, I'm not one of these, I hate running with um, earbuds, um, but a lot of people do like running with um, something in their ears. Me. I like that- running with earbuds. That's right. So running along and listening to listening to a podcast where um, uh, we're going to be talking, you know, talk a little bit about technique and form from time to time, but um, more just talking about um uh, yeah, some of our own goals and training um, and, um, yeah, just sharing that um, in the context of some of the work that's been done before on the on the blog. Um, be kind of interesting for people to learn as, as we are learning because, mm. you know, we, we decided that um, part of this, part of what we wanted to do was to kind of set some big audacious or different goals for ourselves um, and then just sort of share our progress so that, um, other runners um, could learn from the benefits of what we were learning, the mistakes we were making, so they didn't have to um, have suffer the same pitfalls as us. Yeah, exactly. So why don't you take the listeners through, I guess, a bit of your background, you know, who you are, what you've done running-wise, um, and I guess where you're going today. Yeah, so um, running-wise, running, running um, yeah, as I was saying, I'm, I'm kind of, pretty in the I suppose you'd describe it as the mid-pack I'm definitely not a talented runner um, but I must have like a reasonable level of cardiovascular um, capability to be able to run at at an okay level Um, so um, yeah kind of got interested in running at school but then yeah I just kind of fell in and out of it um, from university um, through working through like a professional um, 
IT and management consulting career, uh, yeah, working in financial services. Which and, isn't very conducive to running. No, it's not. Like, yeah, that's, it's really an environment where, um, uh, yeah, the focus isn't on healthy eating and lifestyle and training. The, the focus is really about working 12-hour days, um, drinking far too much alcohol and eating rich food, which <laughs> um, during that period... <laughs> Yeah, during that period of my twenties, like that, just resulted in me like ballooning out to a massive ninety-three kilos. So, um, yeah, it definitely wasn't healthy for me or my running. wasn't doing much running during that time. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, managed to kind of arrest that <laughs> slide into lack of fitness um, in kind of late twenties and, and early thirties, and um, yeah, once I decided to kind of get out of the uh, the corporate. Uh, so-called rat race, um, move away to the country. Um, I was working uh, at the local university in Ballarat and uh, living in the air- locally in the area as well. I thought, no, that's a good time to kind of get serious about um, A, getting fit, but B, um, putting together a, a sensible and sustained running program to kind of see what I could do. And good location I sort of- too. I mean, if there's somewhere you're going to get inspired to run, it's definitely Ballarat, I guess, for listeners that don't know where it is. Um, a small country town in Victoria, but would you say it's the running mecca of Australia? It'd be close. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, definitely be one of them. Um you know, most people would know that um, Steve Monaghetti was from Ballarat. So, um, been a lot of other notable runners that have come out of here over the years as well. And, you know, huge, strong local running culture, which, you know, has, um, I guess, is evident in the fact of a, you know, a town of less than 100,000 people has managed to sustain like four running clubs. Um, which is huge. Which is, yeah, that's right. And, you know, Lots of lots of really high standard runners and lots of you know everyday runners like like me um, and people in between and and slower um, just yeah a really a really uh, you're right it is a bit of a bit of a running mecca probably Canberra is the, the other one go down to like just the local club cross country runs or the um, you know just the Ballarat region the numbers that they get there are massive yeah they do and look that started to I don't know how the running clubs feel about this. They might not be all that happy about it, but that tra- has translated into a really kind of strong local park run in Ballarat mm-hmm. as well. So yep. they they often get over a hundred people at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday when it's in the freezing cold. Degrees. Uh, yeah, often below zero in the winter, and yeah, park runs still going off with a whole bunch of hardy um, local souls. Um, a lot of them are a lot tougher than me because when it gets that bad, I, I tend to just stay in bed. Oh, they're much tougher than me. I don't think I get out of bed unless it's 10 degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that, that, you're right. That, look, getting into the environment where you could run is good. Lots of good trails. Um, getting out of the city where it's lots of hard surfaces and not, you know, if, if there are soft surfaces or good surfaces to run on then they're usually pretty short and pretty boring and often very crowded because everyone goes there and when you're in a city like melbourne of four or five million people um yeah a lot of the local um popular running places they get very crowded so it's nice to have a bit of room to move and room room to run so um what sort of paces were you running when you were i guess starting in up in running and then uh, I guess where have you gone to now? Yeah, so I kind of was able to race 
um, before I started working on technique at a, kind of about the four-minute kilometre pace. Okay, so decent. But, yeah, decent pace. Um, but, yeah, and, and probably really only up to sort of uh, 10 to 15 kilometres would I be able to s- sort of sustain that level of um, pace. Um, and, yeah, as I indicated, once I got back into the into the technique and um, worked on that, I was able to kind of race over the 5K in particular at closer to kind of 3.30, I think it was 3.31 or something kilometre pace um, for that PB. So Yeah, that's definitely yeah, moving. It is. It's starting to starting to get a bit quicker. Um, I say the one upside of running faster is um, the race is over quicker. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that improvement once you had worked on your technique and after you'd started the running technique tips and were implementing a few of those, you know, bits and pieces into your own training? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I kind of gave myself, uh, I talk about this in the book actually, I gave myself quite a good solid block of training to um, play around with how I was moving and do that in a really um, yeah, and look, you know, I don't say that anyone should just jump in and try and change their technique. And we could probably talk about this on another episode about when you might do that. But for me, there were good reasons to do it. I was getting injured um, quite a lot. But what I did was really back off the intensity and just did like essentially six weeks of jogging. Um, and that was kind of less than half an hour for, say, you know, five days a week. Um and I kind of did that, and once I once I could do that successfully, um, without getting injured, um, then I kind of implemented. I think it was it was almost like a twelve week block uh, of training that I took out of Daniel's running formula, which is a a real running bible, and he's got some um, um, pretty they're good, but they're very hard five k training programs that he's written in his book, and and I followed one of those. Um, not re- completely religiously, but I probably followed it fairly closely. Um, and at the kind of tail end of um, a couple of those good blocks of, of Daniel's training was when I kind of hit those races and, and really started to, um, yeah, kind of motor a bit more and was yeah surprised myself by able to run under 18 minutes, which I never thought I'd be able to do. Yeah, maybe I need to follow that program because the 5K and I, we do not get along. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, I see it hard enough. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we should talk about you because we're talking about me too much. Um, oh. but so you're, well, yeah, I, th- I think 5K is about the only one of my PBs that's faster than yours. <laughs> um, pretty much every one of your other ones from shorter distance to long, longer distances is um, well, except significantly for the marathon, faster than me. Which we will get on to. <laughs> oh, that's true, but that's only because you haven't run one yet. So, <laughs> oh, Correct. Well, what about me? So I, I feel like I've always run. Uh, I guess I started in primary school, but rather than being an avid runner, I was actually an avid ballerina and a very keen netballer. So throughout my all primary school and sort of the first half of high school, my whole life was you know centered around that and wanting to represent Australia in netball. But um, unfortunately, I was uh, too short to be a netballer and I was too tall to be a ballerina. <laughs> so in the middle there, I was I guess just right maybe to be a runner. That's right. Um, yeah, running, running, good running's your thing. So running was my thing. So really, just did all of the school um, 
running, you know, the inter-school and state and actually made a, a few state teams, won a handful of state titles and medals. And to be honest, I actually trained once a week. And this is probably why I'm still running today was that training was so fun. And I grew up in a small country town um, in Victoria. It's not so small anymore, but it was at the time. And, you know, life is very simple. Training, we didn't even own watches. I don't even remember our coach having a stopwatch, to be honest. So I think I was quite a naive runner, but I really just ran because I loved it. And, you know, I hate going to competitions these days and, you know, you see the parents and the kids who are still in their juniors and they just take it so seriously. Um, and it was a really interesting stat, actually, having the World Juniors just just finish up and, you know, some great performances. But um, I think it was something like 65% of juniors who represent their country in the World Juniors never actually go on to be um, good senior athletes. And that's that's a massive, massive figure. Mm, yeah, that's um, quite disturbing, really. And, yeah, um, really disturbing. So... You know, for me, running that once a week and we actually just used to run around a farm and our training was everything from, you know, run to run to the lamppost and then run up to that tree on the hill and come back and repeat. So, you know, there were no 400-metre efforts. There were no, you know, nothing was measurable. Everything was really just fun. So, you know, some relatively good results, I suppose, off not much training uh, and then embarked on university life in Ballarat, which is, uh, I guess, you know, where we where we did meet, running for Eureka Athletics Club there. Um, yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I loved Ballarat and I loved my time there and trained with a fantastic group under Rod Griffin who is a really, really good coach and had – an amazing squad. I think still does have an amazing squad, actually. Yeah, and he's he's probably one one coach where you could say he was able to bring through bring through junior runners um, without breaking them or burning them out or making them lose interest in running. Um, and they sort of came away from that experience and became really good senior runners. Yeah, it really was. It was just a, a really nice culture. You mentioned before the places to run, and I still think they're some of the best places to run um, anywhere in, in the world. Um, but it certainly opened my eyes up to what it meant to actually be a good runner. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, you know, being immersed in that, I really wanted to give that a good go. But unfortunately, uh, moving out of home, living on campus, studying a double degree, having some really serious health issues thrown into the mix, I actually really didn't improve and actually didn't um, perform very well at all. And it was a bit of a tricky time, I think, when you, you know, you're sort of 17, 18, 19. It's quite difficult to mix that balance of wanting to get the best out of yourself, I guess, in a sporting endeavour, um, especially in running is really hard. It's a really hard sport mm-hmm. versus all of those challenges of, you know, being a, an early adult, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's right. And when you're at uni, like really you don't, you might, well, a lot of people do have a job when they're in uni, but your kind of primary job is to like pass yeah. or get good grades. Um, so you've got that. Um, as your kind of primary goal so it's not um, completely um, unusual that running might fall into the background and especially with you where you know you've 
had your wonky hips and heart condition and <laughs> surgery so and all kinds of things. In amongst, you know, studying a double degree and all of the influences of early adult life, I've had, I had heart surgery and then had hip surgery and um, burst ovarian cyst, emergency appendicitis, just all these wonderful things that uh, required <laughs> some very – serious surgery and uh, unfortunately a lot of time off as well. So that was really what I struggled with for nearly my entire four years at uni and even the couple of years following university as having like a full year off of doing no exercise, months of actually not even walking um, and then just trying to build back up and then falling back and having another type of surgery so um, that made it really difficult and also thrown into the mix was I've always been very passionate about my career uh, always wanted to have a very successful career and like you worked in you know worked in IT uh, long long hours um, very competitive very very tough and some of the roles that I've had since have, have also been really time consuming and not conducive to to running so um I had a very up and down sort of 20s to 30s, I suppose, with um, a handful of good results and then a whole bunch of poor results or no results. Um, and then you know, sort of hit my 30s, had a couple of kids. And oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You've yeah, had kids. Yeah, no, I know. So just throw some more, <laughs> some more time off into the mix. Um, That'll keep you busy. Oh, exactly. It keeps me very busy. So my life is hectic. So where I am today, two very young kids, an 18-month and a four-year-old, two girls, a full-time job, um, also have our own um, development business, uh, starting a podcast and decided to return to running when I moved up to Sydney, so no longer in Melbourne. Met a really nice running group up here, have been running with them um, in between all of my pregnancies and made the decision last year that I actually wanted to do my first marathon. Mm-hmm. So here we are today. You and I started talking again about different ways to train for it Um and knowing that you know our current circumstances are probably more like the norm, so you know we're certainly not pitching at the elite level. No, no, definitely yeah, not. I've, Especially me. No. Um, although on a you know some sort of pound for pound or battle of the sexes contest, you're by far and away a better runner than I am. So um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm certainly going to keep an eye out for. For my general running public, um, I, have, I have a lot of empathy for people who um, really enjoy running um, no matter how slow they are um, and certainly did coach a, lo- a lot of runners that were um, either at around my level or much, much slower um, as well. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being a slow runner. Um, you know, everyone's getting out there and enjoying the sport um and taking away a lot of the similar benefits um from it as well so well what i love about running if i can help those people i will well yeah what i love about running is that yes there's the elites and that's all fantastic but it's such a personal sport that you know if you run a four-hour marathon and that's a half an hour pb i guarantee you feel just as good about yourself as someone that's run a two-hour 30 marathon and has run a pb so I think that's right, and you know, when you look now at the um, average finishing time in most of the big marathons are kind of around that four hour or a little bit 
little bit more than four hours for the marathon. So, yep. so there's, there's lots of people at that level that we're definitely going to try and try and help um, with this podcast. Yeah, so we're in a running boom and we're not tailoring this podcast to the elites. There's some fantastic podcasts already out there that gives you insights into the world of the elites and their training and interviews. So it's certainly something that we don't want to cover at all. Um, I'm very passionate about wanting to cover a bit more around female running Yes, absolutely. You sh- can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, so there's definitely, bit? I feel like there's a bit of a, a lack of it out there, uh, everything from covering the results to even just training for females. So I know myself, I'm someone that I just can't run high mileage. You know, after having two kids via cesarean, I, I just don't have that strength. Um, having you know, hip surgery, I certainly have some big challenges around the hips and the glutes, which I know a lot of women struggle with anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And then just the the struggles and the life that really gets in the way, um, you know, for women, I know men do as well, but, you know, women take on a fair bit of the, the, the home duties and the child raising duties. So, you know, your time to focus on your, your running is often limited and comes second best to the needs of others. So how do you fit in that training? How do you still get the most out of what it is that you want to do um, in a really short amount of time? So that's something I'm going to really focus on. Um, and then just look at some, you know, some tips on how to fit that in uh, around all of those challenges. I think that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, it, it, from my way of thinking, there's not a lot of coverage of um issues uh related to the the fairer sex in relation to running so if you can bring that perspective um for our potential listeners i I think that would be welcome and extremely valuable Mm, i think so and as i said this year is my year of the marathon um and probably i guess where i am pace wise so i'm not an elite runner i had some small desires once upon a time to maybe see if I could um, make an Australian team, but that didn't uh, didn't transpire. So they're very much shelved, those uh, plans these days. So I'm sort of around a, oh, anywhere from a three-minute 30 runner to a four-minute runner. So not not super slow, but not super fast either. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so in about the mix of that, so, you know, sort of sub – I guess sub um, 40 minutes for 10Ks and, <coughs> oh, sorry, I'm choking on something here. <laughs> um, and, you know, around sort of 10, 10 and a half minutes for 3Ks, 18 to 19 minutes for 5Ks. So, you know, steady. I, I think I'll call myself steady, not elite, but steady. <laughs> yeah. And I would, yeah, being a bit modest there, but I, th- I think the kind of times you're running from a, uh, female perspective, uh, yeah, very, very good. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about this um, at length as we go along, but um, if we could uh, or if you could have an ex- experience where you could stack multiple years of training on top of one another, um, you know, you could probably improve quite a lot on what you've managed to achieve to date, which is Still really good. Yeah, well, look, it's always the goal, I suppose, and I guess a bit of context is I've actually never trained for longer than 16 months in a row. 
and often part of yeah, that. I don't think I have either. So. <laughs> Which is really not a lot of time. I mean, you, if you do a lot of your reading and having a look at, you know, the pioneers who have, you know, Lydiards and um, Phil Maffetone, Daniel's running formula, all of those types of theories, it talks about having a fantastic base to be a great endurance runner. Um, and I can tell you that 16 months is definitely not long enough to <laughs> have a fantastic base because I think what, you know, even sometimes I forget about is when you're coming back in those first, you know, few months, sometimes I'd be lucky to run 20 kilometres a week. And Yeah, that's it, right. If you're starting from zero, 20Ks is actually a, a significant amount of training. It really is. So, you know, you might spend six months of that 16 months just ticking boxes, just getting back out there, reminding your body what it's like to run. You know, there's not a lot of volume and there's hardly any intensity. So by mm. the time you actually look at your training, how much you've done of good solid training, it might only be about six months. So I'm definitely very excited to explore the long, slow and steady approach to training, something I've never been able to achieve and absolutely working. You know what? I think we're starting to stray into and this just to give the listeners a bit of a clue, we're we're going to have a topic of the week in these uh, these podcasts. Um and our topic of the week was kind of pushing our own individual running reset buttons. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've done this in the wrong order, but, um, we've got a little piece of intro music for our topics of the week. So I'll just play that now and then we'll, we'll get back into what we're doing right now. Ah, and we're back. So, pushing the running reset button, um, this is kind of, uh, yeah, as I was saying, it's, it, this is our topic of the week and um, Lisa's kind of hinted at the fact that she's headed off on this um, marathon journey this year. Yeah, well, I'm not hinting, um, I am. <laughs> it's very much out in the open. So it, um, It's happening. Yeah, so to put it out there, I've, I've been pretty bold in my goal setting and I'm somebody that I love a challenge and I need a goal. If I don't have a goal, I probably won't get off the couch. I'm a very planned person. I love my diary. I love lists. I love pre-planning. So Brian and I are so opposite. <laughs> uh, if we are kind of opposite in our approaches, but I'd say we're both fairly type A personality Um I'm not lacking in drive and wanting to improve and love having goals and setting challenges for myself, but definitely the way I go about meeting them is I kind of make it up as I go along. <laughs> so there's something for everybody, two very different approaches, but uh, in my planned meticulous approach, I have entered the New York Marathon on November the 4th this year and... Straight into the marathon majors. Straight in. Like I said, if I don't have a goal, I don't get off the couch. I'll definitely get off the couch for the New York Marathon. <laughs> um, and I'm setting, oh, gosh, it's a very ambitious goal. I want to run a sub three-hour marathon. Wow, that's um, super kind Ambi of brave, yes, I reckon. I think it is too. And it's I've never run a marathon. I haven't run close to running a marathon. And, you know, I could get a very, very big shock. Because I'm actually, I only started training this year, the start of the year, January. So by the time I have done 
my marathon, I will have had 10 months of training in my legs um, off having, um, you know, have, having a baby. So it is ambitious, but we'll see how we go. And in my mind, it sounds, you know, four minutes, 16 Ks sounds really easy from someone who, you know, runs five and 10 Ks. Um, but we will see. Indeed. And your marathon, you're probably about 15 weeks away from at this point. I think point. so. Yeah. It's about that. Yeah. So I uh, haven't started my official marathon block. So I guess resetting the, well, hitting the reset running button um, for me this year has been changing my approach to training, being a more of a track road runner. I never did a lot of volume. I'd be lucky to do 40 or 50 Ks a week previously. Um, and a lot of the work was quite intense. So, you know, running quite fast repetitions, whereas this year is about slow it down, go long and slow mm. it down. Yeah. And to an extent where um, we've kind of pushed that reset button together in a similar way, um, although we'll probably get to some of the differences in our training as we go along. But, um, yeah, last year I kind of hit my running reset button um, and decided that I would run a marathon. So I actually ran my first marathon um, in 2017. I ran the Melbourne Marathon um, in October last year. Um, and in a PB time of? Uh, well, yeah, the first time you do it, that counts as a PB, right? Um, I I ran three hours, 36 minutes and 50-something seconds, I think so. That's um, a very credible first-off effort. Yeah, you know what? I, I feel like it's respectable. Um, and I was kind of coming off a period where I'd done, yeah, very little. I don't think I ever actually stopped running completely, but for the last sort of five years, you know, I'd be lucky to have averaged one or two runs a week. So, um, uh, yeah, it was certainly like you are this year, starting from a point where I'd really done no structured training um, or no consistent training for a long period of time. So, um, like you, it was interesting, actually, you said you haven't started your marathon block yet, but you've, you've actually been training for the marathon oh, yeah. most of this year. Um, and you're doing what I did last year and I'm actually doing it again this year is just getting fit enough to do the specific marathon training. So, Which, look, I think is really important, especially for someone who hasn't done a lot of Ks before. Um, you know, I've started to do these two-hour long runs on a weekend and two things that's really helped me with, one, previously mentally doing a two-hour long run on my own, I, there's no way I would have done that. Um, and then, of course, secondly, it's just getting you, your legs used to being out there on them for two hours. So it's been a good exercise. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, look, just kind of going back to the resetting, um, last year I decided to put something into play that I hadn't really done before, um, and that was to do a large chunk of my training following the methodology that was outlined by um, Dr. Phil Maffetone. So he has this um, math heart rate formula where you work out what your maximum um, aerobic heart rate is 
um, for your age, um, and then you do most of your training um, below either at or about ten beats below that that heart rate. So for me, that meant that um, most of my running in twenty seventeen, other than a few times when I uh, uh, I violated that, and probably to my own cost, actually, um, most of my running was done at sort of below um, one thirty eight. Um, beats a minute, which um, I probably didn't obsessively wear a heart rate monitor in the past, but I can tell you I would have done a lot of my running at a pace um, and an intensity that was a hell of a lot higher than that. So that meant for me like really kind of going back and doing a lot of running um, at around you know, six-minute kilometre pace or just under that. Um, so that was a significant reset for me um, in terms of going, well, you know, I might have thought that my kind of easy aerobic pace was closer to five minute pace but really in reality when I when I did this kind of change of approach um what I discovered was that yeah that wasn't my easy pace um if it was once it certainly wasn't now um so sort of training under that level what I wanted what I wanted to do with that was to make sure I hit the start line for the marathon and uh, um, really slowly build up my training over time Mm. um so yeah it was uh an interesting kind of uh, an interesting experience, and I know we're going to touch on it in episode one. Episode one, so we won't get into it too much this week. But um, yeah, really, kind of accepting the fact that um, to uh, particularly for the, an event like the marathon, where pretty much the entire thing is aerobic, that there's really not a huge amount of purpose in doing a lot of speed work um, or even like hard kind of interval sessions um and yeah we'll, we'll end up having some discussions slash arguments about the merits of tempo runs and other things as well um, over, over the over the time but um yeah it's kind of interesting that i did the majority of my training in that way and yeah look you can make an argument um that given my 5k pb i should have run my marathon a lot faster but you know it's a completely different event well doing it after after a long break because and this is what i mean by saying that the four minute 16ks which equates to a sub three hour marathon sounds so easy with some of my um like track pbs and even road pbs i think well that that time should be quite easy you know having run three minute 35ks um for say like the 10k it's like well surely i can slow down to 416 and and jog it in (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, look, you know, the I guess the challenge for you is not so much in um, developing the speed to kind of run at a three-hour marathon pace. It's really developing the endurance to be able to sustain that pace because mecha- biomechanically, and you know, you've shown from your other times that that's that's quite a comfortable pace for you over shorter distances. But um, the marathon just being is able a whole to- different beast. It's a marathon, right? So, <laughs> so like it's going yeah. to be exciting. You haven't actually told the listeners what your marathon is and also what your goal is. Oh, for this year, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 2018 I'm going back to Melbourne to run the marathon and so that's now about 12 weeks away. Um, so it's it's actually snuck up on me a bit. It's getting quite oh, close. That, um, it has just disappeared again. It has, it really has. Um, and my goal this year is um, actually I might I might just talk about in terms of, uh, no, I won't get into that because we're going to do a thing on goals in a second. But, um, yeah, my goal for this year um, 
really is to oh, yeah, run a bit. For, I'm a runner, right? And type A, um, I want to go faster. So um, I want to get down to 320, three hours, 20 yeah, minutes. That's pretty conservative. Which, so I, I actually think it's completely doable for you. Yeah, look, I, I think it is as well. Um, and look, based on the training to date this year, it's kind of seems to be headed in that kind of direction, which is good. Um, but you know, you've still got to, I've still got to survive the next. Um, it's not really twelve weeks of training because there'll be a taper in there, but there's at least another nine weeks of um, solid training ahead of me. So I've got to kind of get through that um, in one piece, and then you've got to actually then execute on the day and you know who knows what the marathon race day might bring it might be hot it might be cold it might be windy um yeah who know who knows and you know your pace aspirations may go out the window depending on what the conditions are on the day so that's certainly something that I'm mindful of yeah. as well so it's october 12 weeks away are you doing a specific marathon block for it um oh, look I, I probably will but I don't know whether it'll look look like your specific marathon block. Well, it's good. Um, we'll be able to look at two different versions of marathon training and what works, what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I've probably got the luxury of setting a slightly more modest pace goal than you. So for me, I will probably continue to do, um, yeah, a, a lot of my running at this um Maffetone aerobic heart rate. Um, but what I have kind of added in and will continue to focus on is yeah, doing some doing some faster strides after each of my longer runs, um, doing some specific um hill strengthening exercise work, which I've kind of borrowed slash stolen from the Arthur Lydiard methodology. Um, and from time to time doing a bit of um uh kind of fartlek work at or around a kind of 5K race pace effort. Um, I will do a little bit of that, Um, not a huge amount, um, but probably the specific marathon stuff that I will do other than running a long way in training because we're already at the point where, you know, we're both sort of approaching or have have done two hours for our long run um, is probably to do uh, the long run a slightly different way than I did last year, so I kind of built out my long run to two and a half hours. I think I did maybe one or two that were about two hours 40. Um, this year, I'm, I'll, my marathon-specific stuff will probably be run easily for two hours and then do half an hour of specific um, marathon pace effort training, and that might be just work down to that pace or it might even be do some um, kind of five-minute or six-minute segments um, at marathon pace with some jogging in between yeah. just to just to break it up a bit because I found that, um, yeah, last year I got a bit kind of stuck in a rut at times and, yeah, just kind of nice to change things up mm. a little bit. Um, and you're still going to be working, you know, based on having run two hours, you'll be quite fatigued um, and tired. So being able to then sort of dial into that marathon pace when you're tired is something you're going to have to do in the, in the last 10Ks. So it's going to be a good simulation of that. Um, for the marathon that sounds really hard yeah I, I look I don't think I think it's actually doing it in a like actually if you stopped and changed your shoes into your marathon race shoes and then did like half an hour of marathon in, let's call them marathon intervals or something like that um, I reckon that's actually easier in a way particularly mentally 
than um, just dialing your pace down gradually um, in a continuous long run. Um, so I might, I'll probably will do one of those continuous ones when I dial the pace down because it's hard and you know, you've <laughs> got to train yourself to get through that hard stuff. But I don't think I need to do that every fortnight or every week. Um, it'd be nice to be able to break it up with something a little bit different yeah. this year. Well, it's exciting. Two marathons, similar time, two very different approaches. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because mm. um, you're doing a lot more sessions, aren't you? So I am. So my weeks um, look inc- completely different to yours. So I am very time poor. Uh, I can only fit in five days a week. And within those five days, I'm trying to hit 80Ks. I am yet to have successfully done that. I think I've got 78 as my closest. Um, so not big, that, like that's not big Ks to run a marathon off. Um, but I'm doing it, it's broken down into a Tuesday and a Thursday, uh, session. So the Tuesdays are either hills or a fartlek type of effort. Uh, Thursday's always on the track, which I love. It's sort of my bread and butter. Um, but when we said that we're resetting, so for me now, it's not trying to run as hard as I can on the track. It's trying to get, um, volume out. So maybe 10 or 15 by 400, but at 90 seconds, per rep rather than, you know, 75 seconds Uh, and also having smaller breaks too. So only off maybe 30 seconds or 60 second break. And then I'm about to introduce, I I failed this Saturday to introduce it, a regular tempo run on a Saturday. Um, I'm scared of tempos. (laughs) Uh, Me too. (laughs) I I find them really hard. Um, I'm not very good at doing them on my own. So Part of my obsession with planning is actually to look where I can either enter in some races um, and and do them or have other people to do them with. I feel like it's a bit of my weakness, not really running tempos very well, um, but they're also very hard. And then the other days are a Wednesday midweek long run, build that to 90 minutes, and then the Sunday long run at sort of two hours. So it's a lot in five days and then working a full-time job on top of that and then the children. Uh, I don't really get a lot of rest. I'm tired all the time. <sighs> I'm tired just sitting here now thinking about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to say at this early stage I'm a little bit uh, worried about you. <laughs> so, yeah, look, it may need to change as, as the time goes on. You know, it might be a bit too aggressive with the lifestyle that I lead, but I'm going to give it a good crack. Well, look, you know, if you have to drop some of those sessions and if you're completely tired and drawn out, I would reckon that would probably be a a reasonable thing to consider. But if you do have to drop them, just focusing on getting those long runs done is going to still place you in a pretty good place for a a good marathon. Yeah, so I probably should add that that's a really good point. I have got two key sessions a week which I absolutely don't want to miss and that is the Wednesday long run and the Sunday long run. So... Anything else um, I'm willing to miss if, you know, life gets in the way basically. Um, Last night was a perfect example. I just had the worst headache from um, just absolute fatigue from from my kids. Uh, So my training session was basically non-existent um, and I'm fresh, ready to go for today's midweek long run. Um, And actually, yeah, did the same on the weekend. My Saturday I pulled the pin on the session because I just was really tired and had a fantastic two-hour long run. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And look, that's something that I've done this year that I didn't do last year as well as to add in the midweek long run just so I'm getting another specific um, marathon type training session um, and just to continue to build my uh, big aerobic base up. So, I mean, year two of building my aerobic engine. So, um, yeah, doing a 90-minute run midweek and then backing that up with two hours on the weekend means that, um, yeah, there's a significant um, amount of uh, quality marathon training going, going on. Going in, yeah. So exciting times ahead. So in between, um, you know, the weekly podcast of going through the running technique tips and you know, Brian has an enormous amount of information that he's researched and written and gathered um, on the blog, so we'll bring that to the audio version. We're also going to weave in this journey of our two marathons and how we're using some of those tips in our training um, and see how we go come October and November. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's not just going to be technique. So we'll be talking about training methodologies, um, strength training and other kind of supplemental work. Um, probably get a little bit philosophical from time to time, given, given we're now a bit older and wiser. <laughs> uh, we'll do that from time to time. Um so, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to work our way through it. And look, in some ways, for me at least, I'm going to be reminding myself of a lot of the things that I had learned and now over the intervening 10 years have probably forgotten. <laughs> um, so it's a bit of a refresher and it'll be good to kind of go back and challenge what I was thinking um, of my uh, slightly younger self Um in the context of, yeah, working on very different goals um, in relation to marathon running at the moment. So I'm looking forward to that part of it. So I'll probably argue with myself. (laughs) Uh, And we're always um, up for listeners that, you know, agree or disagree and have a a different view. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, we're going to share our way of doing it and our particular experience, but there's lots of different ways you can approach running um and running a marathon in particular so um yeah we're not saying this is the only way to do it and yeah great to hear other people's ideas as well because um yeah we can we can benefit from that and then share it out um as well with a broader audience Mm. so so yeah tell us about that did you want to um talk about uh our tip for this week so let me just um play our tip music So we've been talking about these kind of big goals um, and having a clear purpose um, for your running and having a clear goal. So um, what we wanted to do was just discuss, um, you know, what a lot of if you asked a runner why do they run and or why are you running a marathon, um, I'm not sure that you'd get a get a clear answer or a clear response in every case and thinking about myself um last year when i ran the marathon i was i remember talking to my brother about it a few times i was like you know i've decided to do this marathon this year but i'm actually not 100 sure why <laughs> do you know what i actually think this is such a great question that so many people should ask them we're in like this massive running boom and we're in this huge marathon running boom like, why do you do it? Is it because your next-door neighbour signed up or your partner signed up? Or 
Yeah, that's right. Look, you know, I, and I, took, I don't think I even kind of realised exactly, maybe even until today, why I actually did it because there was a few times during it where I was thinking, you know, I'm doing this because I haven't done it before. Um, I'm doing it because, you know, I want a goal and, you know, I want to run a, run a decent marathon. Um, yeah, it was kind of kind of weird, but it was probably only today when I was thinking about it. I thought, you know what, I, I think I did it because I wanted a big goal that would distract me from the fact that I really wasn't enjoying my job last year. <laughs> so, well, it's um, than yeah, choosing maybe beer. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although there probably was a few beers consumed um, along the way as well. But, um, yeah, I, and look, to some extent maybe that was good because it meant that I didn't put myself under huge amounts of pressure to run a fast marathon. Um, and, I, yeah, I was just happy to kind of um, amble along at my um, slower slower pace during most of my training runs um, and yeah, it was probably only only when I really kind of got into it and it started getting a bit real that I started thinking about times and getting excited and thinking, oh, I could run this run this um, reasonably well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you? What what are you, why are you doing this marathon? And and what impact is that going to have on the way that you train yeah, for? Yeah, well, I don't know why, but ever since I was a little girl, I always thought that I would be a good marathoner. I have absolutely no nothing to base that on. It was just a thought that, you know, I thought I could run a marathon. And now being in my early 30s, clinging onto them. Clinging onto your early 30s. I haven't even run close to a marathon. I've had so many trials and tribulations along the way and I've watched, you know, competitors that I've run against and friends go out and, and do these marathons and there are times where I've been really envious um, and then all of a sudden I just thought it is, it's my time to actually do this marathon. And I was actually going to do Melbourne last year as my debut marathon just as a bit of a um, you know, nostalgic thing, I guess, being born and bred and having run around those streets many times in my life. Um, but the goal was too aggressive after literally just having a baby. Um Apparently, you need to rest and recover. After <laughs> Apparently, that. you do. So it was just, yeah, it was just a stupid idea, actually. So I, I never signed up for it, and I pretty much gave up that idea. I think it was around February. I had my daughter at the end of November, and realised that there was no chance. I could barely even walk, let alone <laughs> considering running forty-two kilometres. So mine has been a long life ambition. Um, Mm-hmm. And I feel like whilst I've run my whole life, I actually feel like I've been quite a naive runner. Um, I've never really understood running. I've never understood training. I've just gone out and run. And I'm, you know, maybe again, it's an age thing as well. I'm really loving researching running. I love listening to other podcasts and how people are, are training and even challenging my own thoughts and ideas. So, um Part of it is a bit of a experiment, I guess, and the other part is a bucket list item. Mm, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there's probably a lot of different reasons why people do run marathons in particular. Um, and, yeah, I reckon bucket list is a big oh, one. Definitely be up there. It'd, it'd, probably, it'd probably be a lot of people that have run just one marathon. Um, and, yeah, for me, that I don't think that was 
Yeah, you know, it was good to tick the box, I guess, because, you know, a lot of people think you're not a real runner unless you've run a marathon. (laughs) That's that's so true. You know, you hear people saying at at those marathon festivals where they have everything from sort of, you know, 5K right through to the marathon. I've even found myself saying this. I did the Gold Coast recently and it's like, oh, I only just did the half. You only did a half marathon. You only just did the half, you moron. Like that is uh, that is a great effort. You got out of bed at four thirty in the morning <laughs> and did a half marathon. <laughs> but I, the words came out of my mouth. I only did a half. Only did a half. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you got to go. Yeah. The so full. that's it. So I need to be um, able to say I did the full. Before you know it, I'll start to say I only did the full when everyone's doing hundred k ultras. <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee you that I'm never going to be on the start line for a hundred k. Ultra race and marathon is more than far uh, enough for me. Well, I'll do the marathon first before I make that statement. There's a crazy side of me that may sign up to an ultra one day. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. No, now I'm really worried about you. <laughs> if I'm not tired enough now, I'll definitely be tired training for an ultra. Yeah. Good luck finding the time for that. Um, yeah. So I've got, I've actually got another big macro goal for the marathon. Um, well, actually more for my running overall in that because I've done the Mel- Melbourne Marathon once now, the Melbourne Marathon has this thing called the Melbourne Marathon Spartans ah. and it's like a select club and you get your own special singlet um, and things, um, but they only give you that once you've run 10 Melbourne Marathons. So, yeah, so I've set myself a big long-term goal Um to run 10 Melbourne marathons in a row. Oh, wow. And make that Do a you have to run them in a row to? No, I don't think so. But um, my goal is to, to run them in a row. And um, it's kind of part of, yeah, I guess part of what I'm doing by running and my goals are kind of a little bit um, more related to, yeah, I realise that I really enjoy my running and it's an important part of my life. So I want it to be sustainable thing um so just working really gradually and patiently on a like an annual marathon um is actually a good way just to have a bit of structure in my running but means that you know i'm not going to put at risk um my big macro goal or just the fact that i can get out and go for a run most days um, by getting too carried away with you know trying to run super fast over over shorter distances um, or, you know, training too hard and that kind of thing. And I I actually enter the marathon quite early in the year as well. I've actually already entered. Um, And some people will say, what are you doing that for? You know, you might get injured. And I I said, basically, I've done that so that I don't get injured. Well, you haven't entered as early as I have. I had to book and pay flights, I think, December last year. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really early. So So I'm signed off and committed. And I've actually said that I will be finishing that marathon even if I end up having to wear some novelty donkey suit and walk across the finish line. <laughs> maybe the novelty donkey will give you give you a ride to the finish line. <laughs> that may be a possibility as well. <laughs> Speaking of novelty runners, my my uh, my younger brother actually did the London Marathon one year and I, th- I think he just broke four hours, but he remembered he, he felt quite sad and uh, a little bit disappointed when he was overtaken in the finishing shoot by a guy dressed in a pasty <laughs> suit. <laughs> But yeah, there there are some interesting things you see in. Big I haven't heard for sure. about a pasty for years. <laughs> Overtaken by a pasty. But, uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh dear. So we've got a bucket list item, and we've got a Spartan. Or I'll 
driving forces to why we're doing these marathons. Pretty much. And look, you know, for everyone else, just, you know, whether you're training for a marathon or not, just being clear about why you're doing it. You're doing it just to keep fit and you enjoy running. It's a social thing. Um, If you've got that kind of big goal and macro purpose in mind, it'll just kind of keep the rest of your running in context and probably stop you from overreaching in your training. And, and I haven't embarked on a marathon block yet, but you know, having friends that have, like the training is quite brutal and it does take up a lot of time. So it's not like, you know, the 5K park run that you can decide, oh, I'm going to get out there and do that in two weeks' time. That's you know, a lot easier thing to to do. But like the marathon takes time and commitment. And I guess if you're not really into it, um, mm. it's going to be a bit of a, like, a bit of a hassle. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, pretty full on. Well, there you go. That's our training tip of the week. And I reckon, I reckon that's a wrap, Lisa. I think so. I uh, need to get my head around getting out for this run now that I'm feeling better. The sun is shining. Um, I'm feeling good. That's right. Yeah, you got to go out there and uh, how far are you going today? 75 minutes today. The heart rate will be on, uh, the heart rate monitor, (laughs) and uh, I'll be climbing some hills. Excellent. Well, I've already done my run today happily. So Nap time um, for you. Yeah, that's right. It must be be, uh, almost nap time. Get into that that recovery. Will you enjoy that nap? Um, I will do. And um, you've been listening to the pilot episode of the Running Technique Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We will see you next week.